You're hanging out After Hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. Welcome into the Late Night Gamecock Show. I'm your host, Matt Anderson, and I love you guys so much that I'm recording this show on vacation at the beach. I really hope that the audio quality comes through here as um, I'm, I've been relegated to the back porch. We got a, a lot of families here and a lot of people around, so having to do this from the back porch today. But as always, you can reach me at latenightgamecockshow at gmail.com. Or you can find me on the Big Spur message boards under the username Matt Anderson. So, hey folks, hope everybody's doing well. I don't know how long this episode will go. I'm kind of crunched for time, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a whirl and try and do the best that I possibly can. So, first off, let's talk some Gamecock football, shall we? Man, um, do we have some, some exciting news on the horizon. If you haven't heard, young quarterback Landon Duckworth decided to commit to the Gamecocks and... He had a couple great visits to the University of South Carolina, kind of culminating that cookout. And I think that he had such a warm reception during that trip. And, and Dawa Loggins and, and Shane Beamer and the staff really really let him know that he was their guy for the class of 2026. And he was, he was ready to, to make a commitment and get it out of the way. Um, that was a big deal for him to go ahead and get it done. And from what I've been told, he isn't a kid that wants to play the recruiting game. He wanted to feel the love on his visits and get a commitment done, and that's exactly what happened. I mentioned on a previous show how impressed I was with his performance as a freshman in high school. I know that 24-7 sports doesn't rate kids this early, but he definitely has a four-star vibe to me with an opportunity to go even higher, really. He fits the mode of what um, offensive coordinator Dowell Loggins has stated he wants in a quarterback, and he has some... He has some Lenora Sellers qualities to him based on film, at least as a high school freshman. So just a great pickup to spearhead that 2026 class. I can't remember a, com- a kid committing as early as he has before um, into Gamecock recruiting class. I know Dante Reno is pretty early, but after your freshman year of high school, it's pretty rare to get a commitment that early. I'm, I'm, I would love to go back and look, and maybe I will, but to figure out how many how many teams already have a 2026 commitment so far? Um, speaking of Duckworth and his freshman year, he threw for over 1,800 yards, 20 touchdowns, and he ran for 300-plus yards. So let's not forget that big names like Arkansas and Texas A&M are after him, but the connection with Coach Beamer and the staff really did seal the deal there. Um, I've mentioned this in the past, but I would – think over the next few years, you see more and more kids get on an early graduation trajectory, and I think that's what Duckworth's going to be on. Um, kind of like what you see in basketball, I think that eventually you're going to see a lot of these kids reclass up a year instead of just early enrolling, especially quarterbacks, running backs, and defensive ends. With quarterbacks, it just makes sense to try and get to college as soon as possible to start playing against better competition, getting stronger through weights, nutrition, understanding the playbook, giving yourself every opportunity to succeed over time in your, in your college career. Same for defensive ends really there. Um, defensive ends have abilities to, especially the higher end ones, you know, make an impact on third down special teams when they, when they come to campus as freshmen. So I think you could see defensive ends doing that as well. And, and as for running backs, you're not going to get that much better at running back with an extra year in high school. So in my mind, go ahead, come to school early and get your body right while taking carries off of your body um, in your high school senior year and your your um, freshman year in college. With the shelf life and pay scale for NFL running backs, I would be trying to get to the NFL as soon as possible to maximize my career earnings. And 
Last I checked, it was still 21 years old or three years removed from high school to enter the NFL draft. But if somebody knows about a rule change since Sidney Rice went pro after two playing seasons, let me know. This is an area where I really think the Gamecocks could get a head start on other college programs. And if I'm Shane Beamer, I'm exploring every opportunity possible to get kids in as early as possible, just as a differentiator. If the kids have the grades, the kids have the credits, why not get them on campus a little bit early? So moving on, I do have some more news, though it's kind of a mixed bag. You've probably already heard about Jalewis Solomon and Jonathan Paler. It was a bit of a roller coaster weekend for folks like me who could kind of cover this and have their ears to the ground or talking to multiple folks. And I'll admit, you know, it was a tough weekend for Gamecock fans and Gamecock recruiting analysts alike. Um, I don't know if you can hear that now, but I'm starting to get a little bit of thunder. And like I said, I'm outside, but just bear with me. But as for Paler, he, he had been leaning towards South Carolina for a good while, um, really for the better part of a year. It seemed like he was pretty much a lock to be in the Gamecock recruiting class. And I, I felt like it was almost certain after his recent um, official visit, he had a really good time, connected with the guys on campus, connected with the recruits. But it seems like NC State came into the picture with a hard-to-refuse NIL package for him. And I'll say this, he's one talented player, and it's definitely a bit of a miss for us because we really don't have anybody like Jonathan Paler in the in the wide receiver room right now or this recruiting class. But, you know, hey, you win some, you lose some. Um and plus, I wouldn't be surprised if we still try to win him over during the season. We'll see what happens at NC State. Um, we'll see, you know, what happens as the dust settles on this recruitment. And I know that I know that Justin Stepp isn't going to stop recruiting this kid. He's um he's famous for relationships and building great relationships with kids. And you know, it wouldn't shock me for after a couple of Jonathan Paylor's games this year to see a text on his phone after the game from from Coach Step, trying to nurture that relationship, keep that relationship going. So right now, I think he's all NC State. I think the NIL package that he was promised is just something that South Carolina can't compete with at the moment, which it, which is tough for Gamecock fans. But Solomon, on the other hand, that one caught me off guard. Um, seriously, guys, I was so sure that he would choose the Gamecocks based on recent intel and and talking to some folks behind the scenes, especially coming off of his unofficial visit when he came in a day early. The coaching staff laid out the plan for him from an on-the-field perspective and an off-the-field perspective um, from an NIL package and getting him to the league as soon as possible. And, you know, Gamecock survived that unofficial visit after he visited us when he went to Auburn. And leading up to the day of the commitment, I know that, you know, folks on the Gamecock side of things were really optimistic, um, I don't want to say we, the Gamecocks got blindsided because there was some NIL stuff going on behind the scenes, but one of those things where a bag was dropped, and I have no other way to explain it to you guys. Auburn's got about $8 million for football recruits, got a couple million dollars in NIL for basketball recruits. So in the world of, of NIL, um, and it's turning recruiting on its head, and we as Gamecock fans need to adjust our expectations a bit until we're willing to pony up as an entire fan base in the NIL game. while while Because NIL is just on the forefront of a lot of recruitments now, and it's not always those top-end five-star players. And it's not it's not a heck of a lot of money when you think about it, when you think about what kids can get paid with a part-time job versus the NIL packages they're looking for. But, you know, Hats off to Jalewis Solomon for making a decision. Jonathan Paler gave the coaches time to regroup, kind of reassess their class, um, reassess their targets, and and who knows. 
Um, I'm not going to go on a rant here, but let's just take a moment to appreciate landing Dylan Stewart. It's kind of a silver lining, I think I think we should say. It does sting a bit to think that we could have been among the top 10 in the nation in recruiting if things had gone our way with Keelan Adams, Jonathan Paler, and Jalewis Solomon over those last couple months. But, hey, it's an NIL game now, and we've got to adjust and move forward. Lastly, before I wrap up this section, let me just say I've got a hunch things might not be completely over with Solomon. Until that national letter of intent is signed, I really would just say who knows. The Gamecocks are known to chase till the end. And as I've been saying on the show for a couple weeks now, until until I see a signed NIL or N- NLI, I should say, gosh, those two acronyms are crazy. But until I see something signed from, from Jalewis Solomon, I'm not going to count out Florida State, South Carolina, or Auburn holding on to his, his commitment right now. But that's kind of tying a bow on um, the guys that have been been around here we've been talking about for a while. If, if something happens with them, I'll definitely definitely make note if I hear anything. But let's, um, let's move on from those three guys because there's nothing we can do about it now. And let's delve into... Um, the most recent recruitment developments as we you know, get ready for the 2024 season and the 2024 recruiting class getting tied up. I guess to start, um, we got to address the increasingly popular topic of the four-star running back, Daniel Hill, who's from Meridian, Mississippi. He has a decision coming on August 23rd. Um, he has the potential to significantly increase the talent level in the Gamecocks running back room and on the running back roster. Um, right now, it's a South Carolina and Alabama battle. Um, you know, the Gamecock coaching staff feels good. I haven't heard a heck of a lot about NIL being a persistent thing in this recruitment. I know that Alabama has NIL packages available to Daniel Hill, and um, Alabama's an, another team that, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of like South Carolina, struggling to get that NIL game you know, off the runway, to, to, so to speak, but they're definitely ahead of South Carolina right now. I just don't know how much they're going to prioritize Daniel Hill versus what South Carolina can offer. But that's a South Carolina-Alabama battle. August 23rd is the date for his um, official commitment. So switching our focus to the defensive side of the ball, um, a relatively new development is Booker Pickett of Tampa, Florida, and he deserves a mention Following the welcome home commitment of Dylan Stewart, um, Booker Pickett disclosed a list of top five college choices. And, um, you know, alongside the Gamecocks are are teams like Florida State, Ohio State, a couple others he put in his top five. But um, kind of a new name there. Gamecocks would definitely love to get Booker Pickett in the fold and and maybe playing alongside Dylan Stewart would be um, kind of the caveat he needs to to consider South Carolina a little bit more. But I'd say the South Carolina is on the outside looking in on that recruitment, but the Gamecocks did make his top five, and that's all we can ask for. Um, another noteworthy mention is Jordan Seaton. Um, he is at IMG Academy. He's a big-time prospect, um, has some relationships from his high school days when he was at St. John's College High School before moving over to IMG in Washington, D.C. with Jabari Sandy. Um you know, he's another kid that has a connection with Dylan Stewart, and maybe that, that connection will prove favorable for South Carolina. Um, another one that I think the Gamecocks are probably on the outside looking in right now, but the Gamecocks are at least getting mentioned, and, you know, maybe we'll see an official visit here get on the books for Booker Pickett and Jordan Seaton. Both of those are top 100 kids in the country and would be um, 
great additions to the Gamecock recruiting class. Elijah Thurman is an emerging talent from Georgia on the offensive line, and, and he's expressed some interest when it comes to South Carolina. But the Gamecocks are battling the Clemsons, the LSUs, um, to a lesser extent Georgia Tech for this kid. But um, South Carolina is going to bring its best best effort forth, and we'll see what happens. So those are some new names. I wanted to give you three of them, um, maybe to take up for the three that the Gamecocks lost out on, and, and J- J- Lewis Solomon, Jonathan Paler, and Keelan Adams. On the, on the defensive side of the ball, we'll kind of continue here, go back to the defensive side. Um, Gamecocks really need to figure something out of the defensive tackle position. Uh, Dinos White has not been back to South Carolina since his official visit. He's a kid that that's not looking to make a commitment until probably closer to December. Um, just letting you guys know ahead of time, uh, Dinos White was a kid that, that talked a lot about NIL on his official visit and what opportunities might be, might be present for him. And, and he's not a four-star kid right now. He's kind of on the cusp of it. But, you know, I just encourage you guys that, to think about NIL, think about donating 5 10 20 bucks, join the 1801 Club with Carolina Rise, and and see if the Gamecocks can get some of these things across the finish line. Because, as I say all the time, you know, NIL is a power of a collective, not just one, five, six, ten people, you know, ponying up money for it. But another kid to keep an eye on is Cameron Mickle, Cameron Mikkel, Michael, Cameron Michael, I think is actually how you pronounce it. He's a kid that South Carolina's, you know, been been engaged with for a while. It's kind of uncertain if he wants to play on the offensive or defensive side of the football in college. Um, I know the Gamecocks have predominantly talked to him about defense, but you know there might be some opportunities here in the wide receiver room based on you know the recent losses of of Keelan Adams and Jonathan Paler. But the Gamecocks do have uh, Mazio Bennett and Zamarion Lang committed in the wide receiver room and. I do think the Gamecocks want to get at least one more wide receiver. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be Michael in the wide receiver room, or if they they really like him as an athlete, defensive guy in the secondary. So keep an eye out there. But what I can tell you right now is that the Gamecocks are going to be active in the transfer portal. They're going to be active the rest of the way when it comes to you know finding some more some more prospects for this class and. You know, speaking of more prospects for this class, I do think you're going to see um, the Gamecocks go after another tight end. And, you know, while we acknowledge and celebrate Michael Smith's commitment, you know, probably one of the top players in the recruiting class, sources have indicated to me that South Carolina's intent is to possibly add another tight end to this position group before um, before next season. Just looking at guys like Trey Knox and, and um, oh gosh, Jonathan Simon, um, those guys are not expected to be on the roster next year. Trey Knox doesn't have any eligibility, and, and Simon is a kid that – Joshua Simon, I'm sorry. Joshua Simon's a kid that I, I think a lot of people are sleeping on right now as a, as a player that has a chance to be, to be pretty good this year at South Carolina. But right now, the Gamecocks have you know, really strong, firm commitments from 15 players. I think that you can see the Gamecocks pursue another seven, eight, nine players in this class. But – I do know the Gamecocks are going to hold back for some transfer portal additions, especially if the Gamecocks have the kind of year they're expecting this season. You know, an 8-9-10 win season is, you know, pretty much what people behind the scenes are saying the possibility is. And I wouldn't count the Gamecocks out in any game this year except for 
except for maybe Georgia. Um, Georgia's going to be a tough one, but every other game on the schedule, the Gamecocks will have a chance. And I did want to summarize some thoughts that um, John Whittle got from some assistant coaches and some quotes there. And just, I'm not going to read the entire quotes, but just to kind of summarize, Pete Limbo talked about some improvement areas, and he said for the specialists, it was really solid last year. Um, but they, they, they can't just sit back and just say because we had a great year last year, it's going to happen this year. And one of the mantras in that special teams room right now is confident but humble. So confident but humble, and that's a, that's a great way to be in your personal life as well. But look, everyone's saying that South Carolina has the best, best special teams in the country. Phil Steele came on the show with J.C., Phil, and, and J.B., and, and said that he had the Gamecock special team ranked as the number one special teams unit in the country. And, and while that's deserved, I like Limbo's message of not just assuming this year will be like last year. He has you know, 30-plus newcomers on the roster between transfers and transfers and, and new freshmen faces on the on the roster. And some of those guys are going to have to play special teams this year, and, and some won't be able to because their roles on offense and defense are too important. But if there's one guy I trust, and I trust him full-heartedly, it's Pete Limbo. Um, while the specialists are ready to go and we all have faith in them, we still need to find ways to change games with special teams and and these guys have to get up to speed to recreate last year's success. A lot of pump blocks, a lot of special team fakes, uh, great kickoff coverage, punt returns, kick returns. These guys got to be ready to go, and it's going to be a lot of new faces there. One thing that Pete Limbo also talked about was was roster length. And this year, you know, the additions of guys like Trey Knox, Joshua Simon, um, those guys have length. And a lot of the guys in the recruiting class have a lot of length to them. So when it comes to matching up, you may have an advantage if you're just as fast as the other guy and you have some some more length on you. I mean, this is a key point. As Limbo said, if I'm just as fast as you, but I'm longer, I could have an advantage. If you think about the tight end room specifically this year, Knox and Simon are big, long, wiry dudes with strength. And that's much different than last year with Jaheim Bell and, and Atkins. And I'm hearing, I'm hearing big things about both these guys kind of behind the scenes. And I'm really excited to see how Dowell Loggins can use them to help block in the running game, but also complement the running game. And and just to add to this, Simon can be a field stretcher, kind of like a Jared Cook guy. He can take the ball and go. He can he can run. You know, there's long routes downfield, there's nine routes and get open. But it's also the guys in the secondary that have a lot of length. And I think that Torian Gray's always been a guy that has has looked for length in, in the guys that he recruits. So you know, guys with link, they can get the job done, and you know, it's got to rely on their athleticism. But really excited there, and I think it was a good point from Pete Limbo. Torian Gray did have some notes on Marcellus Dial, and um, Torian said he's got the athletic ability to be the guy, and we need him to be that guy. I'll just tell you right now, Dial might be one of the guys I'm most excited about in the secondary this season, if not my most most favorite, most excited person to watch. The more I go back and rewatch games, the more I notice just how good he was last season. He was behind two guys in Cam Smith and Darius Rush, who were both high draft picks. And, and when I focus on him rewatching games, he doesn't look any different than those two. I think he could be a top three-round pick, and he could maybe go a little higher. He really has that dog in him, and he's really, really good. And it only helps that you got DQ and DQ and Nick behind him. He can trust those guys behind him, and he can play free and loose, and he can hopefully lock up one side of the field for the Gamecocks this year because he really is a really good cover corner. Torian Gray had this to say on DQ Smith and Nick Imanwari. 
this year I've seen them grow as leaders. It's been really cool to see that maturation process. Internally, the Gamecock staff feels they have a, a top five safety unit in the country, if not the best safety unit in the country. And to hear that these guys are, are taking on leadership roles just shows that the culture South Carolina is always talking about and, and what they're trying to instill, not just in the upperclassmen with the younger classmen, younger guys, but you know, you got two sophomores there that are kind of leading the charge and they'll be around next year as well. Uh, DQ and Nick, they know what their role is and how important it is to get other guys on their level. And I can tell you that those two guys are especially pushing that secondary and that defensive unit so far through camp. Um, Torian Gray talked about team flexibility. He said all those guys in the secondary have the flexibility to play nickel, free safety, strong safety. And while these guys are not super experienced, the secondary is deep. Knowing that you have a Marcellus Dial, a, a DQ Smith, and Nicky Muwari locking down three spots makes it all easier for Coach Gray to find the right guys to plug in around them based on formations. And one thing I constantly hear is, is how good of a coach Torian Gray is and how promising the secondary is for the next few years. Justin Stepp had this to say about his wide receivers. The number one thing we have is depth. My, gr my group is really close, but it is 18 personalities in there. So similar to the secondary room, the wide receiver room is deep, but also unproven. One thing I, I always hear about Coach Stepp is how much his players love him and want to go to war for him. But now there's enough depth for guys not to take a playoff, practice off, because the next guy is going to be ready to, to hop right up and get after it. And these guys are having to earn everything they get. I don't think I would trade our secondary and wide receiver coaches for any other duo in the country. And if Gamecock fans are patient, I think you'll see that in time. Coach Gray and, and Coach Steph are worth every penny we're paying for them. And I, and I know it's been disappointing on the recruiting trail with Keelan Adams and Jonathan Paler being heavy leans. And I've seen some frustration um, directed at, at Coach Step on some message boards. And I would just tell you guys to hold your horses. You know, this guy is is a fantastic coach, and he's going to get his fair share of recruits over time. Moving on to Clayton White. Clayton White talked a little about turnovers. Um, he always says that turnovers come in bunches, and keeping that trend would be great to add on to some other improvements. The Gamecocks have been really good at forcing turnovers the past few years. I think that I think you're going to see more pressure this year put on opposing offenses as the linebacker room is one that internally the coaches are really high on. This, this could be the year where you see a dominant defense out of South Carolina. And it's been a while, but you know, looking back at the film from last year, I think that the Gamecocks are only going to be better this upcoming season. And outside of some deficiencies and, and stopping the run, the Gamecocks were an elite secondary. The defensive line was pretty good. Linebackers got to be a little bit better. But um, I think that you know forcing turnovers is going to be huge. The Gamecocks have always been pretty fortunate with when it comes to defensive turnovers but now it's just the turnovers on the other side of the ball that got to get cleaned up the Gamecocks have to improve holding on to the ball and ball security on offense you gotta gotta cut out the stupid game game changing turnovers like we saw at Arkansas last year um, that's just one of them but there were there were numerous bad bad turnovers last year and really I think that's the key to the season turnover margin has been the Gamecocks Achilles heel and the Gamecocks have got to, got to, gotta, gotta take care of the ball on offense and continue to do what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball. Just a reminder, the first scrimmage is set for Saturday, August 12th, and it'll be the eighth practice of fall camp. Um, 
3.15 p.m., scrimmage at williams Bryce Stadium. It's not going to be open to the public, I don't think. But if it is, you know, make sure you get out there and go support the guys and, and kind of see what the Gamecocks are doing on both sides of the ball. But I, I do not anticipate that scrimmage being open. And I think that um, there's going to be a lot of nuggets that, that come out of, of not only fall camp, but especially that first scrimmage. That's kind of when the lights come on and you see guys put those pads on the first time and get after it and kind of see who has the dog in them. You see the folks that, that want it more than others. So um, be really excited, exciting to hear the, the fallout from that. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of information coming out of that scrimmage once we get through fall camp a bit and we have a good idea of the two deep. I'll be sure to give a rundown on, on each player on the two deep and, you know, where they've excelled in fall, where they've excelled in the summer and, you know, what they what they might need to keep working on. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about all of that on future shows. So I'm excited for that, excited to hear about what's going on inside the program and just ready for those pads to come on and see the Gamecocks get out there. It's time to move on to Gamecock basketball. Lamont Paris and his Gamecocks team, boasting eight newcomers, recently undertook a team bonding excursion to the Bahamas. Um, you know, they had a lot of excursions. They did a lot of fun stuff while they, were there, while they were there, like snorkeling. They did some boat trips, which, you know, I'm on vacation here in Pauly's, but Pauly's Island in South Carolina, but I would love to get back to the Bahamas and do some snorkeling. Um, so really, really excited for those guys. I know the team showcased their skills on the court. They squared off of two teams. Um, one of them was Zalgaris 2, which is a pro team from Lithuania. The Gamecocks won that game and, and really shot the ball well from the three-point line. And the momentum carried over into their game against Club Obras Argentina, which is actually a top-tier Argentine professional league team. Gamecocks beat those guys 106-67, to and they're ranked, in, they're ranked in the top 10 in Argentina. I think they're actually number seven overall in that professional league, but... The Gamecocks that, that really shined the brightest were Michi Johnson, Miles Stute, Jacoby Wright, and I'm not going to call him a sensation yet, but um, really intriguing freshman Colin Murray's Moyle who put up Colin Murray Boyles who put up 16 points without a, a single missed shot in that second game. Um, Gamecocks did get some contributions from transfers and BJ Mack and Stephen Clark, and they led the team in rebounds on that trip. Um, kind of interesting to see, but only the guards. And the newer roster members logged over 11 minutes of play per game. But while the players were on the court, um, they were grabbing headlines. And, you know, those guys looked really good, especially shooting the ball. And, and while there has been some speculation about Josh Gray not playing a lot, um, I know that he's not hurt. But I do know that inside the program, they're trying to get a little bit more out of Josh Gray. They kind of know what they have just from a base level, but they're trying to take his game to the next level. So I don't know if it was a message being sent or – they just want to get some other guys some run against some quality competition. But Josh Gray did not play a whole lot in the Bahamas. Um, you know, Colin Murray Boyles and Stephen Clark are, are showing the kind of ability that could earn them both significant roles this season. Right now, we'll talk about starters later, but I think that Clark is better suited for a role off the bench this year. Kind of like what we needed, needed Hayden Brown to, to do last year. He was forced into a <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry about that. Hayden Brown was forced into a starting role last year and probably didn't really suit him. He kind of needed to be an energy guy off the bench, a glue guy off the bench. But I think that's where you're going to see Stephen Clark this year. He's a big kid. He's a strong kid. He's a, he's a tall kid. And he can he can shoot the ball out to the three-point line a little bit. But he's going to be a guy that predominantly operates in the paint for the Gamecocks. And 
and he, he grabs some rebounds in the Bahamas. And I think that, like I said, we'll talk about starters here in a little bit, but I think that Stephen Clark it was a really good addition from the portal. From what I've gathered so far, um, Talon Cooper's playmaking skills are a game changer for the Gamecocks. His leadership as a point guard has, has been well documented um, in his past prior stops, averaging five, six assists a game. But it's been really good for Michi Johnson because it's allowed Michi to embrace more of his innate scoring guard role. And Cooper's addition is helping players find their rhythm, find their shots, and, and their place on the court. Uh, Miles Stute's been pretty impressive. We all know he played at Vanderbilt. He has SEC experience, but he's been a, a really versatile 3 and D guy. He shot the ball really well in practice. He shot the ball well in the games, um, well, in the, well in the Bahamas when they did their walkthrough. So really excited about Miles Stute, um, a guy that I can't overestimate or underestimate You know what, what he means to the Gamecocks team. But the excitement surrounding Colin Burry, Murray Boyles is, is pretty palpable right now. There were some highlights. They showed a really quick first step, and he, he can really jump. He is uh, might be the best leaper the Gamecocks have had since Ronaldo Balkman, and just a strong physical kid who's, who's well put together, and he's going to be a, a good, good player for the Gamecocks going forward. And to find a freshman of his caliber, I know that he was a high riser in the recruiting rankings, but... We might have to go back to the likes of Sundarius Thornwell or P.J. Dozier when we talk about his potential impact as a freshman. Um, I really, really think the future is, is really bright for, for Murray Boyles. But if I take a stab at the rotation at this point in the offseason, I think you're going to see point guard going to be Talon Cooper, shooting guard Michi Johnson, small forward Miles Stute, power forward B.J. Mack. And, and I think kind of a, kind of a, a small-ish Big lineup. You might see Colin Murray Boyles, Murray Boyles playing at the five, maybe interchangeable there with BJ Mack a little bit, and and then you know that's three guys with proven Big Ten or SEC experience plus a high level mid major transfer, and then a talented top 100 freshman. So starting lineup, I'm not like I don't want to get everyone too excited because it's not it's not like a top SEC level lineup as it stands now, but it is a lineup that I think can be competitive in the SEC. And after those guys, you throw in Jacoby Wright, Stephen Clark, Josh Gray, and, and then some of the up-and-coming freshmen and sophomores that are on the team. And you should have success this year. Maybe maybe not an NCAA tournament team, but I think the NIT and definitely the CBI is definitely within the Gamecocks range. The The problem is, for my money, the SEC is just the best best college basketball conference in America right now. So while you know this team might have a lot more success in the ACC or the the Big 12 or the Pac-12 as it currently sits right now. Um, I, I just don't know if the Gamecocks can get over the hump this season to get to the NCAA tournament, but we'll all be rooting for them and, and excited about that. Talking about players that can get the Gamecocks over the hump and maybe be an NCAA tournament team, um, August 11th, August 11th in the recruiting arena, all eyes are on five-star guard Cam Scott. Um, the rumor mills are kind of churning right now with speculation on his college choice. Is it going to be South Carolina? Is it going to be Alabama? Um, right now, I would agree with my colleague John Whittle that the Gamecocks have a slight edge over Alabama for his services. And, and I know the Gamecocks are working to put together a really nice NIL package and, and kind, of, kind of recruiting Scott on being the next South Carolina great, like Sindoris Thornwell, P.J. Dozier, and, and to some extent, G.G. Jackson. So... I do know the Gamecocks are firmly in this one. I would call the Gamecocks the leader right now based on the information I have, but I'm not going to discount Alabama. And, you know, one of the things I'm learning right now is 
you know, I have really, really, really good sources, but this NIL game has changed things. And I just, I don't know if Alabama is going to put together that package that's going to overtake South Carolina, but you just never know. So we'll see what happens on August 11th. I think I got that date right, but cross your fingers for Cam Scott. He would be a, a huge pickup and continue keeping that South Carolina pipeline going, but we'll just have to see there. But all right, everybody, that's the update for today. I don't know what episode this is, but once I get back from vacation, I know that I'll count all the episodes up, and, and the next episode I have is going to be John Whittle, I think. We recorded that one earlier before I went on vacation, but John's going to be on to talk about all things Gamecock baseball. Um, if if I'm wrong and you've already heard that podcast or that show, I, I apologize, but that's a really good episode. John really breaks down what it was like covering the Gamecocks this year, the future of the Gamecock baseball um, team, and, and you know what to expect next season. So thank you again for John for coming on the show last time and just really excited to get Gamecock football underway. It's been a long time coming. We're all excited, and you know you got fall camp here, a couple scrimmages coming up. Um, the, the kickoff against North Carolina is going to be here before we know it. So stay locked in on all of the Gamecock podcasts that are out there a part of the Chief Sports Network, especially. Um, the show with JB, JC, and Phil is always a great listen from 11 to 11 to 1 every single weekday. You have this show here. You got the JC and Morgan show that talks a lot about the Gamecocks in the Southeastern Conference. And, and there's a plethora of other Gamecock recruiting um, shows that are out there nowadays, which is a good thing. Um, all the Gamecock content we can get is, is fantastic. So I appreciate your time today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. And as always, if you'd like to catch up with me, you can reach me at latenightgamecockshow at gmail.com or you can find me on the Big Spur message boards under the username Matt Anderson. If you're not a member of the bigspur.com right now, please consider joining. Um, I think they're running a special or we're running a special where it's 60% off right now. So go ahead and hop on the Big Spur train and, and I appreciate your time tonight, guys, today, whatever it is. And um, like I said, it's a little shorter episode, but we'll be right back with contact on the con content on the next one. So have a great day, and I will talk to you soon.